Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, and we are in this like media frenzy this month. I'm so excited to keep it going. I mean, I love talking about media, though I think I'm happier when I'm not a part of it. It's this, this weird thing where it's all around us and it's hard to get away from. Um, and like maybe we should do an episode. Somebody asked us an episode about all the good things that come from the media because uh, we've gone through our thousands of backlog of questions from all of you and sort of pulled together a bunch of these issues. Um, and most of the time, the ne- media is being portrayed pretty negatively. Um, and we're going to continue uh, in some of those <laughs> we negative... Have so much to say about how bad it is. <laughs> we have a whole month's worth of episodes about this. It's crazy. Yeah, so start submitting some real happy questions like, how great is love and why does <laughs> orgasm feel nice? And um, we'd love to answer those too. But uh, for those of you who don't know, welcome to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, like Spring said, and we answer your questions. Any question at all that you ask about relationships or about sex or about sexual health or STDs or STIs or or even love or romance, if you want to go that direction, like we will chat with you the best possible modern day evidence that we can because um, we want the world to be a safer, sexier place um, with all of you. And we love, um, you know, using all of our experience, all of our research, all of our years and years of teaching to help answer these questions. And then we also go to the research and see, you know, what's currently being done in that area so that we are bringing you the most up to date, most um evidence-based information. I mean, it is really hard to find sex information on the internet. Easy to find sex on the internet. Hard to find like really (laughs) solid sex information. It's really weird. So like we're sort of your sex filter on the internet. Um, (laughs) You can, you can uh, swipe right on, um, I don't know. I don't use filters either because filters are bad, but we'll talk about those in a later episode. All right. So what are we talking about today, Spring? We're talking about these stereotypes that we see for LGBTQ people on TV, on movies, on ads, and 
what in the heck are they doing? That <laughs> that that's the question. What in the heck is the media doing to LGBTQ people? And there are a lot of different kinds of media out there. So I think, you know, as we're going through the episode, we'll talk about advertisements, we'll talk about cable television, and then we'll talk about some of those paid for subscription platforms because I, it does look a little bit different across those. Um, but for me, I mean, like I'm a gay person and whenever I see myself being portrayed on the internet, like it is not a space that makes me feel happy, healthy, safe and secure. It's a space that makes me say, is that how the world sees me? Is that what I look like? Is that what I sound like? I know I sound that way. I have to listen to my voice every week when we, when we do these episodes, spring doesn't, I do, I suffer through it. Um, no, but there's like, I don't know, Spring, what are some of the stereotypes that you see about LGBT people on the internet? I mean, I'm a bisexual. <laughs> we don't see you at all on the um, internet. <laughs> and, you know, I think that bisexual people are usually portrayed as people that have bright pink hair. So I guess I do see myself on. <laughs> I mean, th- so sure, she sees herself out on the internet, but um, I mean, if we're talking about bisexuals, like I can't even think of you know more than one or two shows over the last decade, good shows, like shows worth watching that focused on a bisexual character, not just a bisexual character in the background who's dating someone of the other sex, who's you know just like that stereotype um, of a girl with pink hair who's dating a man who's bi- who happens to be bisexual. Uh, like it's so rare that we see any bisexual character at all. And those stereotypes most of the time are like, it's a woman, right? We don't see bisexual men at all. Um, and if it is a woman, she's probably going to be dating a man and just, you know, reference her bisexual college years or her bisexual past. Yeah. And I think it's, it's often portrayed as a phase. Like I, I did do this in the past and now I'm heterosexual. That's like a very common representation of bisexual women, especially in media for sure. Right. And there are no real you know, depictions of bisexual women. There aren't none, right? There are definitely shows that have all different sexualities in them. But um, those aren't the ones that you're going to see on network network television. And most of the time, those aren't the ones that are going to be, you know, you log into Netflix and these are the top 10 shows in the United States you must watch or Hulu or any of the other four pay. Um, Like, sure. And I would almost call them fringe shows, you know, like a company is making a show for LGBTQ people that talks about their lives a little bit. This episode, like we'll talk about that a little bit. We're mostly talking about those bigger media movies and television shows, not like sort of the ones that are like indie on the side. Because the reason we're talking about this is we're talking about, you know, how this media portrayal is affecting the general acceptance in our culture more broadly. So we really want to talk about the shows that have the biggest reach. And we really want to talk about the shows, you know, that people in middle America are watching, right? So it's not just the shows that are really popular in your age range or in the area that you're living in, but these shows that are popular across the country, even, you know, across around the world and looking at those shows because those representations are what is being fed more 
more generally to the public. And that's then what the stereotypes and what the expectations then are being reflected in our society. I mean, so I want to take a step back and say thank you to all of the media ever that started putting any gay characters at all on any television show, movie, or advertisement. I remember when I was a kid, there were none. There were literally zero out gay people on television. Um, and then like there are a couple here or there and then all of a sudden Will and Grace popped out and there was like gay characters on a tell. I'm aging myself. Um, but <laughs> I mean, like Spring said, like they do change society's perceptions. And I think one of the reasons why LGBT people have made pretty radically fast advances in terms of social justice and getting rights is because media portrayal has made, you know, most people not afraid, right? Like they see a show with a gay person. And even if it's a gay person, that's a stereotype. They're sort of like, oh, well, you know, he's like Will or Grace or the L word or Q is folk or like all of these other sort of baseline shows. Um, I was reading some statistics about it. Something like 80% of shows have a gay character now. Wow. It's like a huge number of shows have a gay... Now, that's where the problem with stereotyping comes in, though, right? So a ton of shows have gay characters. What do we know about those gay characters and what happens to them on the show? Are they fully fleshed out main characters? Are they shopping accessories <laughs> that hang out with Carrie as she walks through Sex in the City and, you know, goes to straight bars and, and hangs out with her in straight spaces? And, you know, like... When we look at the people, the gay people who are represented in those shows, most of the time, like I see a lot of issues with them. I mean, I'm happy they're there. I'm glad that there's gay people being shown. I think it really has made helped make progress for LGBT people in the United States. But I think it could be a lot better for us today. I mean, I can just dive right in with all of my problems um, and, and some of the outcomes, too. But we should probably talk a little bit more um, about like more broadly about what's going on, like you know, that, that analysis, the issue going with it? Well, I think, you know, it's really helpful to first talk about stereotypes, like what these stereotypes are, what stereotypes are being shown in the media, and why that's a problem. I would love to start there. What do you think about that? Uh, so I am flamboyant. Um, I have a <laughs> limp wrist. I uh, wear tight clothes. And um, let's see, uh, I'm not good with money. I don't have kids. Um, I'm promiscuous. You're definitely hooking up at least three times a day. I mean, with whomever <laughs> walks by is totally fine with me. Um, I'm catty. Uh, I'm, uh, I only have one body. Like, and, and gays only have one body type in the media. I'm super muscly. I have abs and pecs and perfect everything. Um, I drink a lot. I go to the bars all the time. I probably have substance use and drugs. I might have HIV. If we go back in the 80s and 90s, I definitely have HIV. Um, what are some other stereotypes about me in the media? Like it just goes on and on though. Like, and almost every one of them is, Oh, I'm super into fashion. Um, <laughs> I like to sing in musical theater. Um, I'm friends with the popular girls. I'm probably a little bit mean. Like instead of me having a personality on a show, I'm probably mean. Like meanness is my personality, like snappy comebacks. I don't know. Any other, other gay stereotypes I'm missing? I don't know. That was a, that was quite a whirlwind. I think that, I think that you certainly got a lot of the gay stereotypes. And I mean, I think that we see, um, you know, we see similar stereotypes, not the same ones, but the similar style of really presenting a one style of the way that someone can be for lesbian, we see even less for bisexual, we see less and less bisexuals even being presented in the media. But 
we definitely are only showing stereotypes. We're only showing this one version of what somebody might be, what some qualities they might have. And the stereotypes are these things that culture has decided we associate with different sexual orientations or gender identities. And then when these are the only things that are represented, that becomes the only thing that is accepted if, if we're, if we're getting towards acceptance, right. And as we get towards acceptance, then that is the one way that people are expected to be. And then when people in real life do not conform to these stereotypes, then they're kind of going through this like, um, secondary version of having to come out because it's like people around them won't believe like, oh, you can't be gay because you don't have great fashion or because you don't talk with a certain um, affect in your voice or you don't, hey. um, <laughs> you don't, you don't have uh, this like uh, way of um, being very sexually promiscuous and talking about it all the time. Right. I have a really good story about this, right? Okay, um, <laughs> I have loved drag way before RuPaul's Drag Race came out. I was at drag shows with Spring like before RuPaul's Drag Race was on the air, like RuPaul was around. She's like 6,000 years old and has been doing shows (laughs) since like the Stone Age. Um, And I've always liked drag, but I like lots of different kinds and and like divisive and weird and and political. Uh, And now all of these other people like drag too, but it only comes from the context of RuPaul's Drag Race. And someone will want to talk to me about drag, but the only drag they'll want to talk to me about is only from that one context but i have a lot of friends who aren't into drag and now like if we're in a conversation and one of them's like oh yeah it's not really my thing i prefer you know paddle boarding or some outdoor sport thing i don't know who likes that but if you do i'm judging you um no (laughs) this whole drag thing and they'll catch a lot of flack for it like i can't believe you don't like so and so or you don't like drag race and um but it's almost become like in society over the last 10 years like a hundred percent of gay men are expected to to live and breathe RuPaul's Drag Race and totally like on, only care about that. On with it and with it, they're only supposed to care about those queens and know about those queens and not understand that drag is the reason why gay culture exists at all in the United States. And drag is the reason why we have gay rights in the United States. And that there's a lot of other important stuff that goes on inside of that context. It's just been really interesting watching like the media completely change the way that the world views drag and then attribute that change in view. And the drag that you see on television is, you know, really sterilized, like one kind of viewpoint, really femme, curvy queen kind of realness. There we go. (laughs) But but, I mean, that's become the accepted standard. Uh, And now gay men are expected to be part of that standard. I don't I don't think bisexuals are part of that story yet. Are you? Are you excluded from it? <laughs> Let me speak for every bisexual and for all representation of bisexuals. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that bisexuals are included in the drag phenomenon or or in the like even viewing of it or in the expectations that we know about it. Um, but I mean, I think that what you're talking about is, you know, the stereotype of what drag is and then what people think it is and then they're not understanding the full history and full complexity of it and that's what we're seeing with characters and that's what we're seeing with personalities and that's what we're seeing with then how people are treated in society so then people become if you aren't the stereotype 
if you are the stereotype, first of all, then if you're any part of the stereotype, all the other stereotype labels automatically are applied to you. And if you don't fit the stereotype in any way, then people are like so confused and then they will make you come out to them over and over because they can't understand how you could possibly be gay or be bisexual or be whatever, or be lesbian or be transgender if you're not fitting the stereotype that they assume that that looks like, right? So it causes it causes a lot of problems, but I, the problem that I'm kind of talking about right now is this, like this very difficult process for people who identify in any of these ways and how they are fitting into society and how hard that can be to, it can be so hard to live up to a stereotype and so hard not to live up to the stereotype also. And and that's what the media is doing, right? It's creating these stereotypes where you can't exist outside of them because if you do, there's something wrong with you. But then living up to the stereotypes is really hard as well and not in a good, sexy, hard way. All right. So (laughs) we need to take a short break. When we get back, we'll keep talking about some of these issues uh, with the media and gay stereotypes. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. Today we are talking about issues with the media and portrayals of lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. We really haven't talked about people of trans experience yet. Um, They weren't really shown at all until, you know, just a few years ago, and we don't have a ton of examples. But everything that we've been talking about with gay men fits pretty well with people of trans experience. Um, Most of the time, if there's a trans person on television, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, they're a model, they have like beautiful hair, they've had tons of plastic, like they, they just look like the perfect sex that they're, they are, they, they just look like it. Um, and it causes a lot of problems for people of trans experience as well, because that process is long, it's involved, um, often the results that we see on television are not the results of people's own lived experience when they are trans. Um, do you have $60,000 or $200,000 for surgeries? And do you have a makeup artist and all of the other pieces that go with it? Um, and I think it sets up some really harsh expectations for young people as well. Like I imagined if I was a young trans man or trans woman and I saw Laverne Cox, I'd be like, hell yeah, I, I know what I want to look like when I grow up. I have this stereotype that's been put out by the media. And then my journey is probably not going to be that level of perfection that we see. Um, I think it's pretty risky, but we don't have a ton of trans awareness. And first of all, not everyone wants to look like these versions that were being portrayed either. So like some of it is, you know, what, how do I want my expression to look like? And then it's also what do I have the funds, the insurance, the help that um, to get me into the way that I might want to look? And that's two totally different issues, but that are very complex in that representation. But then society on the other side, right? So for non-trans people, people who are not trans, they only see that one kind. And when someone doesn't look like that, there's really harsh judgments that are made about what that person looks like. Like there's um, recently the person on Jeopardy who has the second highest number of wins ever. And because she doesn't look like a model, people were really, really harsh, like brilliant, you know, only behind Scott Jennings. But she doesn't have the look that we've been trained, right? The media has trained us that 
people of trans experience look a specific way. And that's where it gets dangerous. It's dangerous for gay men in a lot of similar kind of ways where all of the gay men that we see on television, or almost all of them, have really muscular bodies. They're really thin. They have full heads of hair. Like They're really statuesque, beautiful bodies. And there's a lot of expectations that gay men are supposed to look like that all the time. And it's not a healthy body type unless, you know, you have a personal trainer and you have a personal chef and you live in a low stress environment where you can work out three or four days or three or four hours a week, three or four days a week. Like that's what I try to get to. Three or four hours a day. Three or four hours a day. Um, (laughs) And the same thing is like, so we see these stereotypes negatively impact the perceptions of non-LGBT people, but they also really kind of earworm in. They get into the heads of like LGBT people, queer people, and can make them feel really negative about themselves or have depression and anxiety or feel like they're not good enough because they're not standing up. And at least with heterosexual people, right? There are tens of thousands of examples that we see in the media. And they very much conform to a few body types. But if you are looking for someone who's like you as a heterosexual, there's a, there are shows with more body types and more attitudes and more backgrounds for LGB people because the number of them on the media or that the media portrays is so small, right? Like the influence they have is so much higher. Um, so people often ask why gay people have like a lisp or why they're really inflected. Uh, there's this phenomenon called minstrelization. It's a fancy word for like when you're a kid and you see someone who you think is like you, you start imitating what they sound like. And since there are so few gay people on television who don't have a super inflective voice or who don't have a lisp or who don't have like that nasally rasp, like you see them and you're like, oh, I'm like that. And then you start doing it as well. And it's sort of like self-perpetuating stereotypes of LGBT people because we see so few examples that we start imitating what those look like and sound like. So, I mean, I think that, you know, another thing that's interesting to talk about. So we're talking about, you know, what these characters look like and sound like and act like on these shows and these stereotypes. But another thing that's really important to consider is how much of that character is really central to the plot and how much the show is actually addressing queer issues and issues that are important to these characters, right? And so is it just that this character is like a fringe to the plot line or are they just kind of like um, being there as this like token gay character or are they actually having a plot line that is about them and about queer issues and about things that they're facing and things that they're going through. And that's where we see like some real importance. And that's where we see like, that's what we want to see in these shows, right? We want to see characters that have um, a real stake in their lives being portrayed. I mean, right. We can go back to Sex in the City, this the show that is problematic, right, by today's standards, but there were gay characters. If you remove Carrie's friend Stanford and oh, what is he? He's like a wedding planner, Charlotte's gay friend from the entire series, nothing changes. Like they're just they're there almost as a joke in and of themselves. And those two characters are complete caricatures and stereotypes. And when we look at most shows that have gay people in them, it's like that. You could completely remove that character from the show. Nothing changes. Like, they're just not important overall for the plot. They're just that token character who's in the show. Now, I'm, once again, like, I'm happy. Put as many token gays as you can into every single show because I just want there to be such a preponderance of them that you can't watch 30 minutes of television without at least hearing a couple nasal gay twangs. I'm fine with that. Um, but 
if we want to get make the situation better for gay people, right, all queer people, we need to have better realistic uh, portrayals of them in the media. We need to really move away from this gay men are promiscuous. Uh, I mean, can I talk about a couple things that really bother me about these stereotypes, like very personal stories? I'm sorry, are you waiting for me to answer that? Okay, good. So, um, (laughs) right. Because there's this perception that gay men are really promiscuous and slutty and having sex with everybody and full of diseases, it negatively impacts my life. I've been in a long-term relationship. Uh, But when I talk to any doctor ever, doesn't matter what kind, The first set of questions they ask me is about my sexual history, my sexual partners, my sexual health, my sexual past. And I'm like, I'm here because like I have a headache or I'm here because something's (laughs) wrong. Like this has nothing to do with the questions. I get very, very surly about it, but it's worse than that, right? These perceptions are are prevalent in all parts of our society and our lawmakers have them as well. Um, Like gay men can't give blood unless they're completely celibate for X number of days or months, um, because the lawmakers are saying like, well, you probably have AIDS and you shouldn't be allowed to give blood. Even though the Red Cross and all of the other bodies that are in charge of like blood donations are saying like, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. Like, please let gay men give blood. We need more blood. We need your blood. Sounds like a vampire, (laughs) but I can't, I can't donate blood, right? Even though I'm in a long-term relationship. And on top of that, what's crazy is that, you know, gay men are no longer the highest risk group for HIV infections in many parts of the world, uh, heterosexual transmission has now outpaced that. And then in many other minority groups, like it's higher, but because of this perception, I still can't give blood. Like people just assume that my blood is dirty because I'm gay. And there are laws that are being made about this by our Congress people, right? So like actual laws and it gets worse. Um, in the United States, there's all of these other bills that are being put forward to really hurt trans kids in the United States. And these laws are based on these stereotypes that trans people are aggressive and icky and ooey and cheaters, because that's how they've been portrayed in the media over the past 50 years. And all of a sudden, trans kids can't play games or they can't go to a bathroom Um I I mean, it just goes on and on and on the kind of bills that are being passed because of these stereotypes. And that's the problem for me when I look at all these stereotypes is that they have real world negative implications for my life and for lives of people of trans experience and for women who are lesbian, like the whole group of us, anybody who's under that queer umbrella, these stereotypes hurt us. And there are laws going forward in almost every state in the United States that are meant to make our lives worse because people believe these stereotypes they don't believe that we're actually fully fleshed, real human beings. Right. So when we're talking about these stereotypes, the um, focus becomes only on sexual orientation and not on the full person, not on their full experience, their full lives, all the things that are impacted. And so when we are focusing only on someone's sexual activities, only on the fact that this is um, some type of behavior that they're engaging in in some way, then we are really reducing that person to that. And that's what Andrew was talking about when he said, you know, his doctor is only concerned about his sexual activity because it must be that he fits a certain stereotype, right? And so we really need to be able to understand full complex people and the diversity of our experiences. And when we talk about needing to show these 
queer storylines, these queer issues and the stories. It is bringing to light all of these complexities and all of these like diverse experiences of the individuals that make up this rainbow right and and we don't have that right now and that's that's what we're saying is such a problem because it is being reflected in our society it's being reflected back out and the the media is reflecting this to show these very very one-dimensional characters are they two-dimensional they're not three-dimensional they're two-dimensional two-dimensional means like flat on a screen or flat in an advertisement and and so then we are seeing like how how this really impacts people in the real world and it's these policies it's the treatment by people around you um it is you know like also policies at like a workplace level at a school level um and and it, it keeps resonating through all parts of our lives. So it's not just like how how one person treats you. It's really big. It's it's so much bigger than that. And that's why this is something we're talking about today, because it has huge importance. And it, I mean, right. And we're talking about the United States. This is a global issue as well. Um, yeah. To all of our friends in uh, Eastern Europe, we know like uh, that you've been demonized. Like uh, we can look at uh, how like the media paints a portrait of gay people as something bad. And then everything that happens in a society, people will blame on it. Um, We're not going to get too political today, but there's the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the Russian Orthodox church oligarch dude is saying, well, it's because you had gay pride that it's okay for Russia to come and kill your citizens. Like there are real world negative outcomes when we start talking about what these are. So what do we do about it? I think that's that, that's sort of the rough part, but we need to take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk about some quick solution. There's no such thing as a quick solution, <laughs> but we'll talk about some things that we can do. Be right back. All right, everybody. Um, this is Andrew, your favorite gay stereotype, and we're talking with Spring, the bisexual epitome of all things bisexual, with pink hair, today on The <laughs> Sex Wrap. Um, unraveling some of the issues with these stereotypes that we see uh, in the media about LGBTQ people. Um, so, like, you know, we started out kind of light talking about, like, oh, they exist, and, and we know that they're there, and sometimes they're funny. And then we've been kind of heavy for the last, you know, 10 plus minutes talking about how... <laughs> These things really do hurt and harm people. Uh, so what do we what do we do about it, Spring? Like, what what are like? Do we have like a quick step? What do we do? Well, there's not a quick fix, of course. But um, I mean, one thing we want to do is um, you know use our dollars wisely because we're in this capitalist society that is really run by by money in so many ways. And so, you know, I would say, first of all, you know, when you're choosing the things that you're watching and when you're choosing the subscriptions that you're paying for, like start to make decisions based on these things that are important to you. And, you know, if the service that you're watching shows on is not producing content that is acceptable to you, then spend your money somewhere else where there are things that you want to watch that are showing really full characters and really um, better versions of um, complex LGBTQ people. And 
And, you know, I think it's like, um, we have some data that's showing like streaming services are doing this better than network television. And you can also choose, you know, to not see movies that are not portraying um, LGBTQ people in this way. And I think that's one way that we can start to demonstrate that. It's that that feels like something that is easy to do in a way. Um, but, but again, it's not, it's not that easy because it's like, okay, I have to do a little research and I have to like, then, you know, put my money where my mouth is in, in actually making these decisions. But I think that, um, if enough people do that, then that has power behind it. Absolutely. Like just use your dollars, be really conscientious about where you're spending them and, and what's being like the content that you're consuming. Um, the second part is like, it's okay if you love a show with a character that has gay stereotypes, that that's okay. Because in your head, you've told yourself after listening to this episode, like, that's just a stereotype. I'm enjoying the show for what it is, but that's not how people actually act. Cause the, the characters that we say on almost all media are not real human beings. Um, and for straight people, we usually don't say like every character is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever show that you're watching. That's another really old reference. I need to re- refresh that. Um, <laughs> but putting a little stop in your head or maybe opening a conversation about it. If you see someone post a meme about a show with a gay character and it's funny, you'd be like, oh, that is really funny. That's not what they're actually like. Like, be really honest about it. And, and, and for yourself as well, just put a little stop in your head, like a two second stop where you're like, all right, all right I, I did enjoy that show. That's not a real person. That's not really how gay people act. That, that's really what it is. It's just like t- training your brain to, to, to say like, this is a stereotype and I don't want to live in a world where I let stereotypes change the way I see other people negatively. And, you know, when we're talking about communication, which we always talk about, it's also important to, after watching a movie or TV show, if you're watching with someone else, to have that conversation with them, to talk about how the LGBTQ people in that instance were portrayed and to to like talk about why it's problematic, because I can assure you there was at least one part of it that was problematic, right? So then having that discussion and highlighting that for other people in your circle starts to broaden that awareness out. Yeah. So communicate, put a stop in your head, and then choose where you spend your very precious dollars in today's world. Um, And streaming service, when we're talking about that, we're talking about like Amazon streaming and Apple streaming and Netflix streaming. And oh my gosh, there's a bajillion streamings right now. They just keep coming. Um, (laughs) That's what she said. All right. So. (laughs) And I mean, I'm going to say one other thing you can do with dollars is to, um, and we'll put a few links in the show notes, is to donate to organizations that are helping um, create policies and bills and fight the policies and bills that are not helpful. Um, so that if you want to donate to any of those, if you have any spare funds, um, that's really important as well. You know what we haven't talked about yet? Social media. Just kidding, everybody. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about um, various issues with the media, as in social media, a place where you probably see us and hear us quite frequently. So we're going to be doing a little bit of that self-critique, that little stop and some communication about where we stand. Um, but thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or any follow-up about this episode, or any other questions about sex or sexual health or intimacy or romance or love, or we'll really talk to you about anything at all. 
We would love to hear from you. Um, you can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. That's rap with a W. You can send us an email. We're the sex rap at gmail.com. Once again, that's rap with a W. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too afraid... Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.